You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory coming at you with episode two of the week. We got a lot to talk about today. Later in the show, we are going to discuss episode two of the franchise. Uh, we got a little bit to talk about with Anthony Hitchens. Uh, but first, I'm joined by Maddie and Craig already here. Maddie, how we doing, my man? I'm doing great. The five-star reviews keep coming in. I'm going to politely ask for some more. We love these five-star reviews. Hit us up on iTunes or whatever your podcast service is. Five stars every time. Craig is worth it. And Craig, Mr. Barley Hop, is also here with us. Yes, thank you for introing me, Matthew. I, I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate being acknowledged by the true host of the show, uh, Matthew Lane. Matthew so, Lane. Time out. So, like, literally, as I was passing it to Maddie, I was like, oh no, I haven't mentioned five star reviews yet. <laughs> and then Maddie just like dumped on me Seamless. again. Look, I don't, didn't want to say anything, but we did the whole other podcast earlier this week and we didn't talk about five star reviews. <laughs> at all so i felt like it was worth putting in here on this one just to make no. sure the funny thing is on the rundown um for the uh for the first episode the top line says mention five star reviews dummy and guess what this dummy didn't do mention five star reviews we would appreciate them it helps our show it's good for the show sb nation likes it when we get five star reviews you guys have been incredible with them i looked at him the other day means the world thank you so much um so one of the things we wanted to make sure we talked about this week was subtly maybe not so subtly not so subtly anti-subtle anthony hitchens basically confirmed a lot of stuff that Maddie and Craig were very on about Bob Sutton and his defense, about what the linebackers were being asked to do. Basically everything about the defense in general, you got some kind of clue about how big of a dumpster fire Bob Sutton was last year. So much so that Craig wrote a, a whole article about it. I like, yeah, I did. I, I could not, refrain from doing so anthony hitchens got to the microphone and it's not like he came right out and said hey bob sutton sucks and we hated playing <laughs> for him or anything like that he didn't say those exact words <laughs> however well <laughs> what, what anthony hitchens did say insinuated that a lot of the linebacking group was uh, tasked with doing things that were beyond what normal teams ask their linebackers to do. It was confusing. 
It was complex. Uh, they were put out of position. They weren't allowed to kind of play with their head down and play the way that they played their entire career. And it's not that he was complaining necessarily about having to change because he even goes on in, in another quote and talks about adapting his game to the way Spagnola wants it to be adapted. But from a watching film standpoint and being able to self-evaluate, he, he sort of in a roundabout way, criticized the way that things were done last year by stating that he could watch film on his own now (laughs) and not have to have a coach standing over his shoulder telling him, well, actually, you were supposed to be in this spot. As he described it, now when I get on the field, if I'm supposed to be in the A-gap, I go to the A-gap. Like, that's it. There doesn't need to be anything more than that. Maddie, can I jump in? Can I jump in with this quote real quick? Go for it. I want to read it, and then you can jump in. He says it's uh, when he's talking about learning this defense. Hitchens says it's not difficult at all. Actually, it's a very slim playbook. There's not much to it. But once you get it down, everyone can play fast. It's simplified. Everyone has single gaps. Um, having to specify some of these things, it's just like. Are we are we kidding ourselves right now? <laughs> playing single gaps and playing fast, like those things, they're relatively common. Anyways, continue, Matthew. Well, no, and to go with that quote, we talked about it last year quite a bit. Anthony Hitchens is probably not the fastest linebacker in the NFL. I think that's a fair assessment to make. Mm-hmm. But last year, it looked like he was not only not physically fast, but he wasn't playing fast mentally near as often as he should be. And I think he's kind of giving you, shedding some light as to why. the Just even the film watching process for the team last year involved groups with coaches and players because multiple players affected what other players were doing far too often. They needed help from the coaches to know, okay, well, when this guy sees it this way, what do I have to do once I see him see it this way? But if he was supposed to see it that way and then I'm supposed to see what he saw that way or this way, and if you're confused by what I just said, I am too. So I can only imagine <laughs> trying to figure that out in half of a second on a football field. So you just get a giant look into just how convoluted the process was for him and presumably most of the linebackers last year with whatever the Chiefs linebacker coaches and Bob Sutton were trying to figure out. He seems really excited this year to get a more simplified, rather direct defense. And I am kind of surprised to hear the playbook is relatively thin, like he said, because it doesn't seem like it when I'm watching it on the screen. But maybe it's more just the changes, the alerts to the playbook make it a lot more expansive than it is. Maybe it's just the basics that he's learning are relatively thin. But I'm excited. Like This press conference has me more hyped than anything else I've heard this offseason. Absolutely. And a little, and a little yeah. angry. Yeah, typically in OTAs, we get very cookie-cutter things because they haven't put pads on. They don't actually know. You know, They've studied the playbook, but it's not like they know how they're going to match up and line up all the time against different game plans and stuff like that. And then out of freaking right field comes Anthony Hitchens with, (laughs) hey, by the way, we're doing these things now. It's like, but Anthony... Those what? are all common things that everybody should do. Yeah, I know, but that's what we're doing now. So it's just, it's it's crazy to me. It's absolutely 
bonkers to me. You know, we had our suspicions, and then to have all this stuff kind of confirmed is just ludicrous that a defense was run this way last year. And I think one of the things that you kind of notice about last year's linebacker play is how few of plays were made behind the line of scrimmage. And that's unacceptable. And we know, like, they looked like they were thinking. Like, they looked like they were having to process more than linebackers typically process. And that's why you weren't seeing plays made behind the line of scrimmage. I think we're going to see a few more this year. But speaking of, this is direct quote from him today. This defense lets you run free a lot. You're covered by the three technique for most of the downs for the will linebacker. What I'm playing, there you go, Anthony Hitchens is playing the will. Less thinking, you just get out there and run. That's, That's a very telling quote right there. Less thinking. Less thinking than what? Than Bob's defense. That's... It is a direct shot at Bob. Well, and we can focus on the shot at Bob there, but we're going to take a step back and we're <laughs> going to focus on the fact that this man just straight said he is playing the Will linebacker role. Now, this probably stems mostly out of the base 4-3, which is fine because that's what I think most people are going to see when the Chiefs get on the field. Anthony Hitchens is going to play your weak side linebacker in the base defense. He's just sitting here telling you this right now. He's playing the Will's linebacker role in practice at camp right now, that's what he's doing. I know a lot of fans haven't been wild about the notion that Anthony Hitchens is going to be the weak side linebacker. And I get it. Based on last year, that's going to give you some hesitations. But he's telling you right now why he thinks that this is better for him. And this makes 100% sense. He's a guy that has played in a similar role in Dallas at times. He also played on the strong side. And now he's in a position where he can quote unquote run free doesn't have to think as much he gets to attack a specific gap or chase a play down he doesn't have multiple responsibilities that he has to dig through i think you will see him at least play faster mentally which helps close the gap of his athletic what he may be lacking athletically from what you're thinking with a traditional will linebacker and i know that i don't yeah go i i know there's a lot of concern about him in coverage like i know that people are looking at that and there's a huge concern about him in coverage as the will linebacker Steve Spagnuolo doesn't play that much man defense. Kendall Fuller actually said it in the press conference today. He said, this is not a man-heavy defense. So I I think that this is going to be more of a situation where he can get to curl and flat zones quickly, where he can read runner pass. As soon as he identifies pass, he can drop to a specific zone. He's not having to carry guys all over the field like maybe we had to see him do a little bit last year. And again, like Matt said, the playing fast mentally aspect of this is going to allow him to trigger and get to where he needs to go a step quicker than he did last year. That step makes a lot of difference. Uh, one thing I wanted, I, I'm pretty sure I heard, and please confirm with me real quick, Craig. I heard something to the effect of, I need to know what everybody else is doing. I'm going to be in charge of getting people lined up. Yes. Um, and so kind of bringing some of this to full circle, the will in base, Anthony Hitchens is probably the will in base. He'll be in in nickel, correct? Correct. He will be, I, I think, Maddie, you might have said this. He's probably your green dot. Yeah, and that was kind of one of my big things for why he's going to play in the nickel and the base. Somebody has to play through both. It's going to be a guy that has the green dot that's helping call plays. 
And Anthony Hitchens pretty much confirmed it by saying he's going to have the green dot during the press conference. Like, Wait, did he red. say he did he say green dot yeah, specifically? He did. He did okay. Specifically. Yeah. Well, there you go. I was yeah. just I thought I was just reading between the lines, but he flat out just said green dot. No, pretty much part. in that same yeah exact line of talking, that answering of that question. He also mentioned that he is going to have the green dot, and that's why he's having to learn what everyone's doing ah. because he's okay. going to be the one making the play calls. And he also refers to himself as the Mike linebacker at some point in time. Yes, he does. Which would be what he plays in the nickel when he stays on the field with the nickel. He plays Mike as the Sam linebacker comes off the field and is now played by a nickel DB. The coverage linebacker coming on the field is now playing the weak side. So that's the will now. That's why Anthony Hitchens can call himself the Mike and the will and the same thing, and it makes sense. Everybody got that? You understand that? Yeah. I know it's I know it's kind of like it's it's all over the place and you look at it like you look at Anthony Hitchens and you say okay that guy's your will but there's there's more context to it and I I I think Anthony Hitchens probably did the best job of explaining that context and it's really good it's helping us kind of you know explain and, and go through how these linebacker rotations are probably going to work. Yeah. Um, listen to Anthony last Hitchens week. going to play a lot. Yeah, listen to last week's podcast of the week before when we're really talking summer of spags and linebacker play. We kind of pretty much talk about all of this stuff. It was just without the confirmation of somebody on the team. It was just kind of what we were expecting based on the film that we were seeing. So now you have the confirmation from Anthony Hitchens. So if you're, you know, if we're making it a little bit more confusing talking right now, you can go back and we really get a little bit more in depth and break it down, you know, kind of position by position, player by player. But the moral of the story is, Anthony Hitchens is excited for this this new defense. He's playing three downs as a linebacker, and he's going to be your weak side linebacker plenty of the time. And I think we're hoping to see closer to what Brett Veach expected he was getting when they signed Anthony Hitchens. We can still have the conversation about whether or not he was worth $9 million a year when they signed him. And I think we all kind of still had questions about that amount of price to that kind of price tag on him but he wasn't last year bad on tape either right (laughs) um and so i think the hope is you're getting you know anthony hitchens is basically saying you know he's in a system that he's more comfortable in that he's more capable of being in and that he's been in before with just different terminology like that to me, Craig, has to be a positive indicator for his outlook moving forward. He seems like a guy that could take a step. Oh, yeah. He absolutely thinks that he can. He said, it's going to be my best year yet. He he put his name on that. So, And that's just based on everything else that he had the conversation about during this press conference. He feels super confident in the way that he's going to get to play this year in his production, in his usage, things like that. And and he talks about learning to be patient, be you know, being patient and adapting with the coaching style. I I, mean, I don't know if we want to get into this yet. Uh, I were you planning on talking about Spagnolo and the way that he handles because that's that's one of the things that jumped out to me the way no. that, Oh, okay. Uh run. Yeah, run, Spagnolo uh, one of the quotes that Hitchens said here was that Spagnola will pull some guys out of meetings and coaching's out of meetings too just to get to talk to them and get to know them in the process of breaking down film, in the process of going through 
you know, you need to do this, you need to do this, and and learning from that. And we've heard Spagnolo is doing a lot of one-on-one time and trying to adapt with these guys, but Hitchens put it out there as learning how to coach the player and learning how to coach the man. You know, getting to what is the way that you will be able to respond to criticism, to technique help, things like that. Trying to get on the same page with these guys immediately and and be able to adapt and coach them to the best of their ability. Now, that doesn't mean that those guys are necessarily going to pick that up, but it does mean that the coaching staff is trying their best to make sure that they are coaching these guys in the way that's the most responsive for them. And again, that seems like things that you would expect from a coaching staff. (laughs) But he went out of his way in this question to kind of draw attention to that and alert to that, you know, because the question was kind of about, you know, Spagnolo and dealing with him and the one-on-ones and helping with technique and everything like that. And he went down this rabbit hole of, you know, getting to know me as a man rather than just, you know, distancing himself as a coach. So that honestly has me just as excited as anything else that was said. Do we think that we're getting a little overexcited for basic coaching traits and skills 100% yes that we're just completely lacking in the years past because well it seems like they're just based like the coach's mentality stuff and like I'm with everybody else I love everything I've seen and heard from Brendan Daly from Matt House from Spagnola like it's all awesome but I feel like 25 of 32 NFL teams already have that and we're getting super hyped up about it and compared to what we just had like I understand why but I wonder if we're taking it too much to the extreme based on what we had last year. Like, does it make that much of a difference that he's acting like most other defensive coordinators in the NFL do? Does does I'll it s- raise them two or three spots in the rankings? Probably. I, I, I don't think that it's like, oh, well, because they're approaching it this way, now all of a sudden they're a top 10 defense. Right. And I, and I, I think the excitement level isn't us saying... I don't think any of us think that all of a sudden, you know, they have the most talented cornerback group on the planet or anything. Have you seen they Chiefs still... Twitter lately? Traverius Ford's <laughs> all bro. I mean, but I think <coughs> sorry about that. I think it's I think it's a couple of things. There's there was such a I, Anthony Hitchens is kind of a prime example. I think Kendall Fuller is kind of an example too is we've seen better football out of them. We've seen much better football out of these guys than what they showed last year. And there was a reason behind that. So am I excited that we have what, in Kansas City, what 25 of the other National Football League teams have? Yeah, because maybe that means that the players that are on the roster last year, that disappointed last year, that underperformed, that didn't reach their potential, at least have a puncher's chance of being what we've seen from them before. Because Kendall Fuller is a better football player than what the than the tape he had to put on last year, and part of it was not his fault. And the same can be said about Anthony Hitchens, and I bet you the same could be said about a few guys too. So we are now in a position to watch these guys with a base level of quality coaching and in some instances yeah i kind of buy into brennan daly 
I think Brendan Daly might be a step above what you get with some other defensive line coaches. Sure. I, Steve Spagnuolo is not a guy that has just been a world beater defensive coordinator or the Chiefs wouldn't have him. He would have gotten a job last year or he would got another, you know, but I still think he's capable. I still think he's functional and there's a lot of positive indicators. One of them being building the kind of group that he has around him, the infrastructure of his staff. I think they've done a really good job of just improving that. Yeah, I'd, and I'd agree with that. I just, and I'm not even trying to say that Anthony Hitchens all of a sudden is going to be an All Pro. Like, no. I, I don't, I don't want to be pushing that at all. But not that last year, right? Right. I, I think part of the trepidation with Hitchens at the will immediately for most Chiefs fans is, did you see him last year? And I, I think that there's maybe a little more explanation behind last year and some of this it is it a little bit ironic that uh first day of mandatory minicamp that kendall fuller and anthony hitchens are the two guys that that's, led that off on the defense with, that's a really good point yeah craig yeah. that's that's smart pr if you ask me yeah explain yourself subtly i mean honestly <laughs> i mean Without uh, you're doing, not wrong. It's saying it without saying it. It's good PR. I mean, we're so talking I, about it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think no, exactly. And there's definitely a reason to be hyped for the players or for the coaching staff. I just, I wonder if on the grand scheme of things, we're, and not just us, but like Chiefs fans in general are taking it to the next level because it's so different than what they had before. Like Craig said, I think building the relationships and the process of the coaching probably does help them bump up a spot or two or three in terms of just like how they are in the defense overall, but not to be top 15. Like I think some people's expectation is now set that the chiefs are a lock for a top 20, top 15 mm-hmm. defense with a new scheme, with a new style of coaching. I just wonder if we're going a little too overboard because we now have a competent defensive coaching staff. <laughs> then I, mean, I think that's, I think it speaks to the lack of competency um, it does. And and honestly, I as as where we were, and where this group was, competency should be celebrated. And and it, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're right. It doesn't mean they're a top ten defense now. It's just competency should be celebrated because competency from the staff last year means a Super Bowl. You're not wrong. You're not. You're not wrong I, there. I mean, th- again, and it doesn't even make them top fifteen. Like no, get they a don't stop. need to be top fifteen. Get a stop, Patrick Levon Mahomes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting excited. You, if this results in a stop a year, I mean, I I have been asked the question <laughs> a year. Yeah, I said that on purpose. I have been asked the question. You know, what what's the point points per game? What do you expect now? Like, how many more? Is he worth a touchdown? It's like, no, he's not worth a touchdown. That's that's way too much. Uh, is he worth two points? Is, you know, is the scheme worth two points a game? Maybe. That I, That's also a lot, but maybe. That two points a game all of a sudden results in significantly more games that the Chiefs won last year. So uh, they, they don't need them to be world beaters. And so I think, yeah, Matt's right. We need to back off some of this a little bit and try to not, not push ex- expectations so high that all of a sudden we're expecting a top three defense out of Steve Spagnuolo. 
I'll, I'll, I just did some research real quick. A two-point increase in uh, or decrease in points per game allowed would have made the Chiefs the 20th best scoring defense and in see, football last year. I, do, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility short of all of a sudden you've got a lot of players in contract years this year. Do the majority of them play above and beyond the level that they have in the past? And I think the answer is yes. I think, and I think that's where optimism does stem from, because it can't it can't get any worse, am I right? <laughs> I mean, these guys had career what's whatever the opposite of a career year is. It's some a, of these guys had personal low. It's a PL. <laughs> that's what it is. Not a PB. It's a PL. And and you know, I just I here's here's I'll boil it down to this. I think this defensive staff figures out a way to get a stop on third and 10 when you have four chances to in crunch yep. time. Yep. That's all. I, I agree. I agree. I think Maddie, the accountability's there, and I think everybody's on the same page. There's a lot of little things that could improve this defense. There's not going to be one specific thing that we can point to it throughout all of this. There's a lot of little things, and I think that we kind of just got a little bit of the curtain pulled back with Anthony Hitchens' press conference. Yeah, and I mean, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the Anthony Hitchens press conference because that showed the most light on the what's going on between the team from last year and this year, and then just even some changes within the scheme this year. What you're going to see, so with the press conference in its whole was great. I just every time we get a chance, we're having it pushed upon us how good of a coach, how different of a coaching staff this is, and I like everybody else love that. It's just. We have to also take it in stride and realize that this is what most NFL teams already get. So it's sure. not like this is something completely rare to the world. It's just rare to KC fans in the past five, six years. That's all. And I, I think there is a line between understanding what that means and then, you know, <laughs> thinking this is a top five defense. And I do think some people probably do get carried away. But I also just, I do think there's a lot of people out there that understand how close a terrible defensive team last year was to being in the Super Bowl, too. Terrible. So like, terrible defensive I, team. Legitimately yeah, think, terrible. So I think it is means for celebration where if we are pretty confident that this defensive staff could get one third and ten stop, you know, out of four or three or whatever it was, like... It was three. It was three. That's means that's means to be excited. You know what else and this press conference to, did for me? Huh? You know what else this press conference did for me from Anthony Hitchens, this presser? This lets you kind of people know, fans know. If you're watching the Chiefs all year long and you start to see a pattern of something on the field, you see somebody constantly doing the same thing over and over again, whether good, bad, whatever it is, and you start to see a pattern that's established, you don't have to be in the huddle to know what's going on. You can piece it together as you watch the team over and over again. Nobody last year came out and said that the linebackers were doing all this extra stuff and it was hard to grasp. You just had people watch it and figure out after 10, 11, 12 weeks, these guys are looking like they're thinking slow. Maybe something's going on. You put those pieces together yourself when you get to watch the whole picture. You don't have to be there to know that. 
And I just this press conference coming out now is fantastic because I think a lot of fans had those questions about last year's linebacker group. People were very confused on why this team looked confused, why these guys looked like they were playing slow physically and mentally. And now why no ball why no plays were being made behind the right, line of scrimmage. Why nobody played forward, nobody played aggressive, everyone seemed passive. You had all these questions last year. And while nobody confirmed any of this stuff as a real concern to you, you saw it with your eyes over and over again. You don't always need that confirmation during the year to know something's true. Yeah, sometimes you may be missing something. It's absolutely true that we don't know everything that goes on. But when you see an established pattern that goes on for an entire season, chances are it's something like this and a player just hasn't said something yet. You get it now. He gave you the answers to everything you had questions for last year. And while it may not do you a lot of good, this just lets people know, like, trust your own eye sometimes when you start seeing the same thing over and over and over again. You don't need 110% commitment to the answer if you're seeing something. It's out there for you to see. He saw it during the season. Fans saw it during the season. We didn't need him to come out and tell us this. It just gives us something fun to talk about because it was pretty clear last year these guys were very confused on what they were supposed to do. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, Craig, you charted like the entire defense. You start picking up trends. I the, the year I did the offense, you started noticing things about what they were doing. You can pick things up. And you even and sometimes it's just with your own eyes, but like we can you can find trends. Yeah. You can find inconsistencies and you can find problems. You can. Not not with the 2018 defense because I blacked it out already. Like that's gone. I, I eliminated already, already, that from my brain. I I performed the, I, I took a drill the drive in the full in the fire. I, I took a drill right in the backside of my brain. <laughs> I I lobotomized myself and removed that section so that I didn't have that information anymore. Well, we are going to come back and break down episode two of the franchise right after this. Well, we actually got the second episode of the franchise this week. We thought it might have been last week. I kind of caught a few L's on that. That's my fault. Uh, apparently, it's a bi-weekly show. That's okay. Uh, we got... We- Not the bi-weekly that means two times in one week either. Oh, yeah. Despite the Fox Sports <laughs> KC schedule. How... Wouldn't that be bi-weekly? Uh, I don't care. I don't, we don't. It is. They're both bi-weekly, and it's the most obnoxious. One of the most obnoxious things about the English language. Oh my, I my head hurts just thinking about it. Honestly, um, so we got. I, I I thought the episode was pretty interesting. Uh, I kind of laughed because we thought we were going to get this Chad Johnson comp to Michael Hardman, uh, but uh, we didn't get that. That bit of audio, I wonder, you know, part of me wonders just, you know, with with them asking, you know, Eric Bieniemy about it, that uh, they, they kind of walked it back a little bit. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it was kind of interesting that we didn't get that piece of information. But I still thought there was a lot in there kind of talking about the pre-draft process leading up to the 56th pick in the draft. Uh, Maddie, they, they were digging Bayron Murphy. Yeah, no, they were. And I got to briefly touch on the Nicole Hardman thing. 
I think it's just interesting that they didn't talk about it much at all. It was just a short segment. I really wonder if they're going to do more next, the next episode, maybe go a little bit deeper. Cause I mean, we had a, the whole episode was kind of leading up to that point and we got like three, four minutes on Nicole Hardman's kind of selection. So I don't know if all the draft picks are going to be that brief or there's more coming for the McCall Hardman thing just to kind of dive into the process. You got more Cortez Broughton film breakdown (laughs) and talking about his ability than you got Nicole Hardman. So I'm just wondering if they're waiting to do that kind of like leading it in across two shows. But yeah, the talk about Bayron Murphy was fantastic. They pretty much highlighted just about everything we already thought. And it was good to see that they were actually in on him because he's a guy that we targeted as a great fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's just nice to get that confirmation. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I This should tell you that the Chiefs were not happy with their cornerback group, and it still tells you that the Chiefs aren't happy with their cornerback group. The cornerbacks that are on the roster, minus Mark Fields and Rashad Fenton, two really late guys, one UDFA, one fifth-round pick, All those guys were on the roster already. It's not the same as going out and trying to get Byron Murphy or Rocky Sin, the other guy that they talked about. It's just not the same sort of scenario. So that tells me that the Chiefs are not happy with their cornerback group. Now, maybe they got them into camp and they're happier than they thought they were, but I just don't think that they're going to stay put throughout this entire thing. I think that we still are going to see an addition to that room at some point, whether it come through cutdowns or maybe a trade. I don't know. We'll David see, Anderson's but, available, fellas. Oh, uh, let's let's not go through Just that again. Just saying. Let's well, not. And this also goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. We don't, you don't actively have to be there for all the discussions going on with the football team, whether on the field or behind the scenes. Like you can start to read between the lines. Like we were kind of mm-hmm. saying during the process, the Chiefs were looking at cornerback heavily. heavily leading up to the draft and in free agency. So like coming out of it, you would think you got to be looking at corner a little more. And this just furthermore pushes that forward. The way, for sure. The way they were talking about those corners and where they were, go- <coughs> where they were going, it makes me wonder if they actually had that conversation, Brett Veach and Clark Hunt sitting down talking about those corners before the Frank Clark trade. Well, I, I think we can the, – the one thing that we can say from the Brett Veach and Clark Hunt conversation is that Clark Hunt needs to not be on camera <laughs> <laughs> talking in a football capacity. The, the, my, my man is wooden. That's, that's all I'm saying. What he, about his just... leadership? <laughs> it was just a very – that's actually not bad. I know. That's not bad. No, and that is something else I want to talk about because even when they were breaking down some actual like defensive linemen, like talking about the guys and the war room stuff, they very much had a heavy emphasis on football character, their leadership ability and toughness. And I think kind of as outside non-team scouts, but media scouts, people kind of make fun of that from the NFL perspective. But I think just about every one of these behind the scenes video projects you've seen from any NFL team and Chiefs are no different that matters to the NFL teams. Like that is something that's huge to NFL teams, whether or not we want to see that on the outside looking in, like if a player plays hard, he's tough and has a good character, teams like him more than what the film may always suggest at times too. That leadership question also makes me wonder if this was before the Frank Clark trade too, because they Mm -hmm. had Tyron Matthew there, but I think (laughs) there was still some uncertainty about, that group, that unit, that leadership on that side of the ball. So all these clues make me think, 
and where Byron Murphy and Rocky Sin wind up going makes me wonder if those were pick 29 considerations. So maybe if they don't make this Frank Clark trade, they're going and looking at Rocky Sin or, or Byron Murphy. <coughs> I mean, they, they sounded genuinely upset that that they had to kind of fall to where it was. And maybe that's just me reading into it a little bit because I reviewed the cornerbacks and I liked both of those guys. So I would have loved to have them on the roster, but they sounded a little bit like, oh, well, there they went. Damn, you know, and now we got to come to our fallback plan, which is this kick returner. So, uh, you know, I think it's a situation where they really... I don't know. I they, I feel like they were pushing for it, and everybody just went off the board way quicker than they thought they were going to, unfortunately. Yeah, and I wonder if that's kind of the way the draft was falling, because as far as the first round went, it was going pretty well for them if those are kind of the two corners mm-hmm. they were targeting. And just in general, the board was falling really well for them to have a chance at somebody when you consider some of the other top corners like a Greedy Williams that still needed to come off the board. Then as soon as you start that second day, boom, boom, real quick, you lost those two guys, you lose a couple more corners, and all of a sudden, like Craig said, it kind of felt like the Chiefs were looking at not necessarily like panicking, certainly not saying no, panicking, no. but looking at their 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 next plan. Like if they didn't get one of these corners they liked, they looked like they were definitely onto that. And I do think that you saw a little bit of emotion in terms of disappointment that they weren't able to get Rakusen or Byron Murphy in that situation. Because I think they came into the day thinking they might. Or maybe they were well positioned to move up for one of those guys. Um, and, yeah. you know, they wind up making a small trade up to acquire Meikle Hardman. And that's really kind of where they stopped with this episode. I, sounds like we're going to get maybe Juan Thornhill, Colin Saunders next episode. That'll be really fun to watch. <coughs> um, excuse me, I keep no, coughing. No, no. What we're going to get is more Derek Naughty, and I'm 100% here for it. That, w- that was fun for me. I, I loved following Naughty around. He, he's a fun dude. He's just such an unassuming personality and I love it but there's there's a lot more there than what it looks like and um, I really I too I enjoyed it the fun thing that they did is they started talking about DeMarcus Christmas in the film room you know Mm -hmm. with the scouts which I thought was interesting enough is kind of just getting a small peek behind that curtain of you know you hear about these big long sessions where they spend you know 17 days breaking down the entire NFL draft class and breaking down their film and going position by position by position you saw a small peek at them talking about Cortez Broughton and DeMarcus Christmas and I believe both those guys were day three prospects you saw the amount of conversation and detail that they were having about those guys um that was fascinating to me I I we all knew it was coming and we all we all know we, I think we kind of all expect that, but like I think you kind of see for for everyone to see the tedium that goes in in building this this draft board. And it's definitely a situation where they they wanted an interior defensive lineman. Like that's yes. that's what that told you. They were gonna go out. They had several tiers that they wanted to target, and Colin Saunders happened to be a guy that fell to them. So then now Demarcus Christmas and and Broughton are off the table. Yeah, and like I said earlier, like the big thing that caught my eye there was just when they're giving their sales pitch, and part of this could be video editing and anything like that, but a lot of the sales pitch for these guys were more character traits rather than mm-hmm. football player traits. 
And I mean, I don't think that completely caught me off guard. It's just, that's the way a lot of these sales pitches were brought up. And I, again, I just think that means it matters a lot more to NFL teams than we like to think on the outside. Cause I think the Indianapolis Colts series has had a lot of the same stuff come out of it. Yes. Too. And the Colts series has been interesting. And I, I want to give the, the, the team over there at, at, at the chiefs a ton of credit because I have never in all these, <coughs> excuse me, team produced um, product things. I, I have not seen uh, a team actively show who they were interested in that they didn't take. So you saw opinions of players that they didn't draft. And I've never seen that in one of these team led things before. That's unique. Yeah. And that's, yeah, <coughs> that's rare. It is. That, w- that was awesome. But, I mean, we're, we still also haven't talked about the best part of this entire episode. Uh, BJ Kissel getting coffee with, uh, yeah. with Borgonzi, <laughs> like Borgonzi at the beginning. The best, best part of the entire episode. My goodness. I, I, just, I stood up and applauded from my couch. Craig and Maddie. Or Craig and I wrote down the coffee order to get forever. Craig and Beach, BJ are just, are they going to big time us here pretty quick? Like, <laughs> we're, Maddie, we're done. These two are going to go off. They're going to be on on ESPN before we know. It. It's ridiculous. And and Rimson from uh, from Chiefs Wire. He he happened to be in the background of one of them as well. So that's right. Yeah, we're just put. Yeah, we're just happening. I need to, to step up my video bomb game. There man. you go. You're just going to follow him around next year at the Senior Bowl. Go to the combine. Just try and stand in the background of every camera. Maddie, we got to get on some B-roll next year. We got to work real hard. I want to be on the A roll. Yeah, that too. That wouldn't hurt either. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about from this episode? Uh, no, there wasn't a whole lot to cover. I mean, honestly, they, the naughty stuff was great, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of detail on that. Uh, seeing the cornerbacks was good, but they really didn't go too in depth with all this. The Frank Clark stuff's all stuff that we'd kind of seen before. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to next week, or in two weeks. And, yeah, like Matt said, I, I'm curious to see how they handle McCall Hardman, how they handle the rest of the draft picks. Are we just going to hit these guys and move on really quick, or are we going to try and get to know them a little bit better? Yeah, and that's what I'm looking forward to as well, because it kind of did catch me off guard just how little about the McCall Hardman like thought process we got from this series. I know we've heard more in press conferences and from coaches and stuff since, but just for this whole series, just it seemed like it was really quick in and out about the process of drafting him and the talking to him and everything like that. Whereas, you know, they showed you actually breaking down and listing strengths, maybe some weaknesses of other players. So I just didn't know if this is what we're going to get from all these guys, if there's more on McCole Hardman coming up next week or just kind of what the expectation is. Because as of right now, it looks like you're just getting a quick hitter on all the draft picks, and that's fine if that's what they're going with. I was just kind of hoping to see a little bit more, I think, from it as it went on. Yeah, it was interesting. They did show more about, you know, players they didn't play, didn't take than the player they did, so that was interesting. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the AP Laboratory. We will be back on Wednesday uh, for another two episodes next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, hopefully we can uh, all survive these next six weeks without uh, any Chiefs content uh, from the team. We will catch you later.
R.I.P. Gary Johnson and James Williams.